Now it's time Greg Bishop and the Council Roundup. Well, um, about an hour and 20-minute meeting last night. Not too shabby, Chris. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. Not bad at all. It's Council Roundup, News Talk 94.7 and 970 WMAY. When their council meeting happens, we'll cover it for you the next morning so you're plugged in and connected and know what's happening. Gold star for Jim Donlin running a smooth meeting, huh? Yeah. Hour 10. Um, yeah. Only a few little kind of uh, technical snafus from like Alderman Gen Z not having his microphone turned on to uh, a couple of people talking over each other at the same time and how do you do the virtual gavel. It's kind of hard to do that. Uh, But uh, last night, we start with the Treasurer report from Springfield Treasurer Misty Busher. The corporate fund in the month of March had a beginning balance of $15,484,547. We took in total receipts of $9,109,876. We had total disbursements of $8,168,733, which left the corporate fund at the end of March chair downland with an ending balance of $16,425,600. This concludes my report. So these numbers, I think, are important um, to keep in mind. We'll revisit this, I'm sure, in two weeks. And those numbers are probably going to be drastically different. Oh, yeah. Uh, Because we've been hearing these numbers for months up to this point. uh, And it's always been pretty healthy. And having covered the council, you know, 12 years ago, if not longer, uh, I remember when it was negative in the uh, treasurer's report sure. where they'd have negative numbers all over the place. Not pretty. And that was of course, um, uh, during the, uh, the great recession and the, and the months and years after that climbing out of that hole. Uh, but as things look now, at least looking backwards, things look good. Is that going to be the case in a couple of weeks? That was a question that, uh, ward fives, Andrew Proctor had. When will you start probably knowing when the economy is taking a slide, like uh, tax receipts and stuff? Uh, the tax monies we got so far are only up to prior to the shelter in place. Mm-hmm. So those monies will be expected in sometime in April. So it'll be a little bit further about the middle of the month before we see the second half of March come in. The monies we received were prior to shelter in place, so they were quite normal so far. So probably in a couple of weeks we'll know. Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. I don't think it's going to be pretty. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I, the Alderman McMinnon gave us a little bit of a preview on that about yeah. how ugly it's going to be. And the, and the, you got real- the gambling receipts going to be sure. gone. Uh, a lot of retail uh, not happening. A lot of dining restaurants not happening. Hotel motel, 80 plus percent are vacant, sure. so they're not getting that tax revenue. So, yeah, absolutely. It's going to yeah, be. Yeah, the flip side of the coin, too, is that once we do start recovering, we're still going to see those numbers lagging. You know, yeah. so, so we get a nice little, you know, this is the nice part of it at this month. And by the time we get rolling, whatever mm-hmm. month that be, that month is still going to be ugly. Yeah, so I think that the, the treasurer's report we heard last night is probably going to be the last positive <laughs> uh, treasurer's report for quite some time. We'll take it. One more. <laughs> All right. So last night, uh, of course, Committee of the Whole, they determine which ordinances are going to go on debate agenda to have further discussions next week and which ordinances are going to go on the consent agenda where they just pass them all at once. There was virtually very little debate about anything, uh, even with the uh, collective bargaining agreement for Springfield Police that we talked with Alderman McMiniman about yesterday. He just asked for it to be put on debate. He didn't bring up any issues yesterday, so maybe he got all of his uh, concerns out on the air with us yesterday. Sure. (laughs) Uh, But I would imagine he's going to talk about it next week uh, when they have the full committee meeting uh, or the full council meeting. So uh, we're not really going to unpack much of what they decided to put on consent or debate 
because they really didn't have much debate, but there was plenty to talk about last night. Alderman McMiniman in New Business was asking about uh, CWLP. And in particular, how uh, I've gotten text messages from people, uh, all four stacks aren't smoking right now. Are they Are they on? If they're not on, then what are the employees who are meant to keep those things running doing? Uh, and that was a question that uh, Alderman McMiniman had for utility officials. Discussion having to do with our utility during the time that all four coal-fired units are down, whether we have taken any action to furlough or lay off our production employees out at the power plant. So Doug Brown, he's with the uh, utility. He uh, kind of talked a bit about why all four of the uh, coal-fired power plants aren't running right now. We are in a, uh, a state of where basically the energy costs on the market are so low right now that um, it's uh, basically below our, our variable costs, our fuel costs. Um, you know, we, we definitely would much uh, rather see that power prices were a little bit higher so we can get, you know, four online at least. So that answered the question as to why the four aren't online, but they didn't necessarily address McMiniman's question about are we going to look at possibly furloughing those employees that are in there. Uh, Brown went on to say, uh, don't worry, the plans are moving forward to decommission things. Um, you know, our plans are still to retire the units. Um, of Unit 31, 32 at the end of the year, um, and then proceed with, uh, you know, adjusting our staffing, I guess, uh, you know, according to the plan by the end of the fiscal uh, for those two units. So in the process of decommissioning, that's where we'll get some possible staff reductions. But again, Nick Miniman's question, uh, he wanted yeah. a little bit more specifics. What are our employees doing there that normally run the coal-fired plants is there are, are any laid off at this point in time and do you have any plans to do so back to doug brown um our staffing um has changed um no different than for the rest of the utility where we have uh, many of our employees uh stationed um basically at home to be on call um because we do not want them to be uh in you know, in, in common contact, um, in close areas together, um, that way they're available uh, when when we need them. So uh, you got people working from home on call. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, the power plant's <laughs> not running right now. And, and, and that's the thing, Greg. It's like this. This is a tough one because uh, no one wants to see anybody lose their jobs. Right. But if you can get it cheaper than you can make it, we got to start getting it and stop making it. Yeah. Yeah. So coming back, um, we will get into a, a, a pretty contentious at times back and forth about uh, the mayor using his emergency powers to give community development block grant money from the city to the school district 186 kids who need um, those hotspots to be able to connect to the Internet for e-learning. Smalderman had some problems with this. We'll unpack that a bit uh, when we come back here with the Council Roundup. So a little bit of back and forth got contentious at times uh, between Springfield Alderman and Mayor Jim Langfelder. So if you recall, last week, um, the, gov- uh, the, well, the mayor signed a couple of executive orders. One was uh, dealing with uh, allowing for uh, the, the mayor to essentially... Uh, you know, dictate uh, what's what and and what businesses are open and um, uh, dealing with uh, uh, proximity of places uh, that that people can be close to each other, retail stores and so on. So a couple of different orders that were that were signed um, dealing with with going out in public during a pandemic. Uh, but 
earlier when he signed his first executive order in this pandemic, it allowed for him to spend up to $100,000 without getting council approval. It's part of his emergency powers. Uh, While he's been doing that, uh, he gave $100,000 to the Central uh, Illinois Community Food Bank. Uh, he also recently gave around uh, close to, I think, 50000 I want to say it's like either 46000 or 49000 I can't recall exactly, but close to $50,000 to Springfield District 186 to be able to purchase uh, these hot spots for students who don't have Internet access while you've got schools basically closed and doing remote learning via the Internet. So he laid out exactly kind of uh, what's going on here with this nearly fifty thousand dollars. Talked to Congressman Davis and he checked on it. Uh, this is in the parameters. It's for COVID-related expenses. So um, I will forward the information sheet that he did provide. So and Alderman Turner had some questions about the city funding school district. If the if District One Eighty Six was also receiving federal COVID assistance and they didn't have the funds readily available, are they going to reimburse us for this expenditure once they receive their funding? Well, when we had the discussion originally, uh, we I committed to the devices. So he got more information about it, uh, committing to purchasing those devices. They were just going to pay for the service. So originally, they weren't even going to, you know, they were asking us for the full support. So uh, they're able to provide the service aspect and uh, we have committed to uh, providing for the devices. And then Alderwoman Turner still had some more um, questions about, uh, I guess, the directives and the guidelines that uh, Springfield's getting from federal officials. Given the fact that we are going to be, I believe, in a significant financial situation in the next um, couple of months, I don't understand why why we would pick up for another governmental entity that is also going to be receiving COVID-related funds. Uh, Mayor quickly responds. You need development block grant funds. Of course, they can't be used to balance your budget. They're used for a specific purpose, and that's uh, this was a qualifying factor. So we'll hear more about this conversation on how this money that's COVID-related for relief is being dispersed. Uh, we'll also get into another aspect of the uh, mayor's order when it comes to regulations for retail businesses that are considered essential, uh, trying to limit people being close together, trying to limit the number of people that go into a store, and how that's all being enforced. We'll also hear from the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, who chimed in remotely at last night's Committee of the Whole meeting. Part of the uh, discussion was focused on uh, the mayor's emergency spending authority. He could spend up to $100,000 without council approval sure. uh, under this emergency. And so, Alderman Turner makes a great point, by the way. You well, know, and, it, and she was raising that, uh, you know, the city's going to be facing a, a pretty tough financial pinch here soon. Uh, but it could be worse than the Great Recession. Uh, and it, it, the city should be giving community development block grants to another government, to a different governing body, the school district. Yeah. Uh, because uh, the mayor has given $100,000 to the uh, food bank. Uh, and also this week, he uh, used around $50,000, close to it, uh, of the community development block grant money, COVID-related expenses to give to the school district, which used that money to buy uh, hotspots, which are Internet access points for uh, children and families that don't have them while children are kept from going to school. 
uh, and doing e-learning. So uh, Alderwoman Turner uh, continued with uh, some of her questioning, uh, especially in light of uh, the mayor saying that he got guidance from Congressman Rodney Davis, who we're going to have on in about a half an hour. Uh, so stay tuned for that. We'll get his response to this as well. Did um, the guidance that Congressman David Davis, I'm sorry, Congressman Davis provided speak to any other types of assistance? Well, and, and she went on to, to talk a little bit more about uh, what she's looking for in this question. Does, did Congressman Davis's guidance to any other uh, types of assistance? Well, specifically on the utility payments or the rent payments, uh, we'll have to check that. Uh, that's something uh, I think you brought up last week and right. Gregory asked about it and uh, Teresa Haley and some others. And um, really, uh, we'll need to HUD to weigh in on that, um, how that should be utilized with regards to rent payments. So she's asking if Davis offered up any guidance, but from my understanding, the mayor just specifically asks the congressman about the money for the hotspots. Turner still delving a bit more into it. Did the guidance that Congressman Davis provide, what did it speak to? Because, I mean, did he just like pick and, I'm really not trying to be argumentative. I'm really just trying to understand. Mm -hmm. Did he just kind of pick and choose what he wanted to provide guidance on? Or, I mean. And again, the mayor saying that. Now, the mayor specifically asked about this one issue, but the mayor not asking about the rent relief or the utility relief. Uh, that seems to have rubbed Smaldom in the wrong way because they talked about that last week, if you recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, they talked about what kind of federal assistance is there going to be for those who aren't, can't pay their rent. Uh, so here's a little bit more of this back and forth. You know, I have I have grandkids that started the e-learning today, and they're very fortunate and very blessed that they had their own devices and, and they were covered. They didn't have to worry about it. But I'm very concerned that Congressman Davis would only take this opportunity to speak to the educational aspect and not to the personal needs of his constituencies. So that's uh, very troubling to me. So (laughs) more back and forth. As the request came in, uh, like the food bank was one, and then the other one was uh, this request. So I just wanted to make sure that it is within the parameters of the uh, COVID CDBG funds. So it's not like he said, hey, you can use this for schools or what have you. I went and asked him before I committed to uh, dispersing those funds. Well, why didn't you ask him about the others since we had brought it up? <laughs> I mean, well, I knew the answer on that one. <laughs> so, so why you had him in this whole conversation? Why yeah. didn't you say, hey, by the way? Adam. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Uh-huh. <laughs> they talked about this last week, Bear. Uh, so where are we at on all of this? Uh, and they continue to uh, kind of uh, beat the mayor up a little bit about, uh, well, why didn't you ask this question? I b- really believe that that should be a uh, – uh, It's. I think it's more of a – it can be just like a housing program hub puts out there, rent assistance. It should fall into that parameter, so – so we could get uh, an update from some kind of guidance from HUD. Um, but ultimately, the mayor said uh, this was kind of an effort also to continue building a relationship between the municipal government and the school district because there is this issue about, you know, cities, especially in Springfield, with tax increment finance districts that takes property tax money sure. that, you know, should be going to the schools and puts it into a pool of money for economic development to build the um, overall tax base. So uh, the mayor said that he wants to make sure that the relationship is solid. And this was kind of a good faith effort. Enos Park tip, we're looking for a renewal of the Madison Park Place tip. 
And from that is we're asking for the school district's commitment to extend a TIF for like 12 years. And so from that, that extension, they are giving up property taxes that they normally would get. And so this is a way that we can do a partnership as uh, you know, and it's within that, that qualifying factor. And uh, you know, hopefully, you know, we, they understand our need for the TIF. We understand their need for the devices. And so hopefully it's a win-win on both sides. Hopefully it's a win-win, he says. Yeah. The problem with that, though, is that if the federal government is already giving District 186 money for those devices, why are we paying them twice? Yeah, and it looks like uh, District 186 could get uh, $7.8 million from uh, the stimulus funds. So uh, still those concerns, though. I mean, Alderwoman Conley also was somewhat aggravated that the mayor didn't address the rent issue with uh, Congressman Davis and trying to get uh, some actual, you know, clarity on that. If you're going to have another conversation with Alder, or sorry, with Representative Davis, I just demoted him, um, or, or if you're going to, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to actually hear from HUD directly mm-hmm. with, with, because they're the ones giving us the money. Yeah, and they'll also be giving out the guidance as well. Yeah, there's a couple of factors in that. You know, number one, it's not only the people that that can't pay their rent right now because of the, the problems, but it's also the landlords. You know, it's like they've got to have this money to right. so that they can pay their mortgage payments. You exactly know? right. Crazy. So you had uh, that issue come up, and uh, was clarified that the uh, mayor is using his uh, executive order to uh, disperse those funds. But then uh, they got into a conversation about uh, the other part of the mayor's order recently, dealing with regulations and recommendations for retail business to practice social distancing, to have certain policies in place, to limit the number of customers in their shops, to recommend to customers wear masks, and so on. Uh, here's Fire Chief Alan Riney talking about, um, well, some of the things that uh, they're, they're dealing with uh, with these new orders. You know, the bottom line is, is we just want to partner with businesses to make sure that they know what the rules are and how best to comply with the rules. I've, and he said some of those rules are actually just recommendations. And, of, of course, nobody is going to tell a single mother or a single father that they can't take their child into the store to get the necessities. Uh, that was never the intent. Uh, I think the word discouraged is what is, was used in the uh, even in the uh, emergency order. And he talked about, kind of similar to what we heard from Springfield Police Chief last week, uh, some people not fully understanding the orders and maybe giving out some you know calls to the law enforcement or to the fire department or to the city saying, oh, I think somebody's violating this, that, or the other. Well, uh, Chief Riney said that uh, he's kind of seeing some of that. Is, is I, we received five complaints about one uh, store in particular, and I suspect it wasn't uh, really from anybody inside the store because our the ground truth when we got in there did not match what we were being told. And he said they went into the store and they saw they have all the spacing stuff out on the floors. You got people wearing masks. They had the signage. So... I think that's one thing that uh, law enforcement is unfortunately dealing with in this. If you get an anonymous tip about somebody who's having a party and the police show up and that person's not having a party, you know, was it vindictive? Is there an ulterior motive well, behind that? Uh, yeah. You know, if you heard of swatting, right? Yeah, oh, sure. Where, you know, a gang member wants to get back at a, at a rival gang member, so they make a bogus phone call to police saying there's a hostage situation at this random house, and then police show up with a SWAT team, kick the door in, and it's just a bunch of kids playing video games. 
that happened in Chatham uh, several months ago. Oh, that's true. Recall. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah. So I think law enforcement are starting to grapple with some of these issues yeah. of, you know, I'm not saying it's vindictive, but you've got to keep that in mind uh, when they approach these things. So when they're talking about all of this, the new policies through the executive order for uh, retail stores, they had uh, on the line waiting uh, Alec Lear from the Illinois Retail Merchants Association, and he joined the meeting remotely to kind of raise some of his concerns. We want uh, uh, safe consumers. We want safe retailers. We want safe retail uh, employees. And the only way to do that is have a um, consistent standard uh, throughout. So he's looking for consistency. And he says that um, the recent Springfield order raises some questions about conflicts with other messaging that's happening across the state. What our members struggle with is that uh, if municipalities do their own thing, then you know we have a, a retailer that has 400 different locations in Illinois, and 40 different municipalities are doing 40 different things. It's hard to keep track of what's going on. Yeah, I would imagine that would make it difficult. Uh, he continues talking about Springfield's order. Specifically, um, the language of the order uh, requires uh, a notice to say discourage um, and although those signs don't have that on there, the ordinance still requires, or the executive order still requires it. So retailers are still liable for the $500 day fine, regardless of what sign we're given. So my question is, are we going to amend the executive order, or are you asking our retailers to ignore that provision in the executive order? Yeah, so uh, needing some clarification there from the Illinois Retail Merchants Association. Here's the mayor. Uh, it would be the state guidelines. What uh, we want to put in place is the signage, which we addressed, where they can just uh, download the signs and post them. The issue has been not all stores are complying with the state guidelines, with the six-foot rule, uh, things of that nature. So uh, we have the further recommendations, like I said, with regards to the wearing of the mask. It's not a requirement, but uh, it may be one of these days. <laughs> Maybe one of these days. And the last word goes to Fire Chief Alan Riney, who is the one out there enforcing this uh, executive order for social distancing and sure. you know signage and whatnot. And he said, listen, they're not out to get anybody. We're not setting you up to fail. We just want uh, buy-in, community buy-in, business buy-in, and we're just providing that guidance. So it's all to slow the spread of mm-hmm. COVID-19. That's your uh, Springfield Committee of the Whole Council last night here in the uh, land of Lincoln.